Hello, and thank you for tuning in to The Christian Skeptic. I'm your host, Sean Kerwin, and as always, it's my mission to take an honest look at our questions about Christianity through the lens of logic and reason. I'm not here to preach at you, just to start a conversation with you. I hope you enjoy the show. There are some rivalries that seem to go on and on throughout the ages of history and humanity. Ferrari versus Lamborghini, Israel versus the rest of the Middle East, love versus hate, good versus evil, good coffee versus Starbucks. Some rivalries seem like they will never die. And I think it's safe to say, and perhaps some of you feel this way, that Christianity versus science is one of those rivalries. And hey, The Christian Skeptic has been a podcast for, well, gosh, almost a year now. We're coming up on the, uh, I think, 10-month mark or something like that. So it's kind of about time we bring up this subject, Christianity versus science. And this, I'll admit, I'll be open and honest with you guys, is a segue into a more specific conversation because, as always, the goal of this podcast is to get really specific and not be really broad in general. But this is a segue into the specific conversation of Christianity and the creation story or the six-day creation versus evolution. And so I hate to burst your bubble, but that's not going to be this episode, because I think it's very important that we kind of lay a foundation when talking about this, about science in general. As much as I hate doing, because I'll be honest with you guys, as much as I would rather just jump right into the specifics of Christianity versus evolution, I think it's important that we kind of establish what we're talking about, that we separate Christianity and science into two different categories, and talk about how they contrast each other and how they conflict with one another. But ultimately, how they are mutually exclusive. They are very different uh, trains of thought. And I will be leaning on a world-renowned author and someone I enjoy reading a lot, Stephen J. Gould, the late Stephen J. Gould. Um, He passed away just a few years ago. Very uh, well-known atheist philosopher. And he wrote a book called Rock of Ages where he kind of compares... Christianity to science. And so I'll be referencing that book. I have it right in front of me. And I'll be referencing that book kind of throughout the podcast. It's a really good read, and I definitely recommend it if you've never read it before. But to get right to the point, to answer this question of who wins the battle between Christianity and science, Stephen J. Gould writes, Science gets the age of rocks and religion the rock of ages. Science studies how the heavens go and religion how to go to heaven. And so right away, you can guess where this episode's heading, and I think I just mentioned it, that Christianity and science are separate. They are separate fields of study. They are not at odds with each other. And I know this probably doesn't come as a shock, but I think it's important to say because I think that there are a lot of churches, and perhaps well-meaning churches, but really churches that don't know the Bible, (laughs) and I'll be very frank and a little sassy about that, but there are churches that teach that science is at odds with Christianity, that it's Christianity versus science, that it's Christian theological minds versus scientific minds in the world, and everyone who's on the side of science is trying to disprove God, is trying to say science proves how the universe works, therefore there's no need for God, and the devil behind science is ultimately atheism. And so these weird 
I almost want to call them fundamentalists to get the connotation across, but I don't want to call them fundamentalists because, again, they don't actually know the Bible. I don't know if they've ever read it themselves. And I feel a little sassy about this because I am very passionate about science myself. But if you really think that Christianity is at odds with science, that it's Christian theological thinkers versus scientific minds, and that most scientists are atheists, you know nothing of the Bible. You maybe know more of science than you know of the Bible. Because the Bible isn't a science book. The Bible says nothing of how the earth came into be. And I'm getting a little ahead of myself. Spoiler alert. The Bible says nothing of the scientific method. The Bible says nothing of how the universe operates. The Bible says nothing of the laws of physics. The Bible says nothing of mathematics, save for references that lean on the general principles of the law of physics or the general principles of the mathematics. But nothing explains it in there because the Bible's not a science textbook. And science textbooks are not religious documents. So Stephen Jay Gould was very, very right in saying that they are very separate. Science explains the ages of rocks. Religion explains the rock of ages. Science explains the heavens. And of course, when he says the heavens, he's not saying that science explains what we just talked about a few episodes ago. And if you haven't listened to those, I really recommend checking them out. I'm a lot less sassy in those episodes. But again, I'm sassy because I care. I care about science. I care about mathematics. These are things very close to me, passions very near and dear to my heart. But that's a side plug. Go check out the episodes on heaven. But anyway, when Stephen Jay Gould says that science explains the heavens and religion how to go to heaven, he's not talking about science explaining what the Bible describes as heaven or the third heaven, as it's sometimes called in the Bible. He's talking about the heavens, which is also referred to in the Bible, the first heavens being you look up at the sky, that's the heavens. You see the stars, the sun, the moon, that's also called the heavens. You see, the word was interchangeable. The word had like three different meanings to it back in the day. And so when we say the word heaven, we are probably referring to the place that God dwells, that believers in Christ go to when they die. But in the Bible, when it says the heavens, sometimes it just refers to the sky. Sometimes it just refers to the atmosphere. And so that's what Stephen J. Gould is making reference to when he says science explains how the heavens go and religion how to go to heaven. And so I harped a little bit on the fact that the Bible is not a science textbook. And like I said, the next episode, we're going to get into evolution. We're going to get into creation a little bit more. But let's also remember that science isn't a religious textbook. Let's remember that those science can explain how something happens. Those science can explain the chemical, physical, or biological process that is responsible for some activity, some event, some person, place, thing that we see in our world. Science can never answer the question of why. For example, science can explain how a fetus grows in a womb, how the birthing process happens. Science can explain how an infant grows into a child, a child to a teenager, a teenager to an adult, and how eventually an adult dies, but science can't answer why that happens in the first place. Science can explain how you're created, but will never answer why you're created. And that's okay. It doesn't need to. There are separate fields of study for a reason. And of course, you may be listening to this and you may be thinking, well, I'm not religious, so philosophy explains the why for me. And if you've listened to this podcast for any length of time, you know that I am also a huge fan of philosophy. And so please note, I mean with all sensitivity, that I'm referring to philosophy and religion as somewhat interchangeable for this argument in particular. Obviously, in general, I do not think they're interchangeable, but for this argument in particular, philosophy, I'm kind of lumping under the category of religion, religious thought, 
really just asking the questions of why, for what purpose. But that brings up another point, right? No one really says philosophy is pitted against science. Although Stephen Hawking actually did say that, and he said philosophy is dead, and science is one. But that's because most people understand that philosophy asks the why, asks the cause. And that's kind of where the principle of causality is stretched. You see, the principle of causality in science, and we'll get into this more, especially when we start talking about evolution, but the principle of causality is that for every thing, there is a cause. And if you've read Aristotle, you know that that's where it came from. That Aristotle was the one who established the principle of causality. And so we trace its origins back to a philosopher. And that comes as no shock, because in philosophy, we have a very similar idea, given the same name, the principle of causality. But it focuses more on the motive than the process. And so there really in lies the difference. But again, I think it's very important. And I think the next time you hear a preacher saying that, religion has beaten science, or science can never beat religion, you're, really your answer should be it doesn't have to. Neither of those things have to. Because that's like saying the hockey player has beat the NASCAR driver, or the football player has beat the swimmer. You have to ask at what, in what way, how. Even if they were pitted in the same sport against each other, the skill set for each to properly function in the other's category is missing. It's not there. For science to answer why we are created, why we are here, is there meaning in life, is there a purpose, is completely unfair because science has no skill set. For religion to answer how does a baby grow in the womb, for religion to answer how did the universe come into being, it is an unworthy opponent. And of course you may rebuttal, well, no, the Bible does answer how the universe came into being. God spoke. It happened. That's it. That's all that happened. I would still argue, and of course, I'm getting a little ahead of myself, so let's save this train of thought for the next episode. But it's important, as an example, to point out that, no, God speaking is still the why. And I mean this with all love and sincerity, but I truly think that's the case because God is bigger and more powerful than a narrow view of him that says everything that's in the Bible is all we need to know about God. So let me, let me rephrase that and reshuffle the order in which I just said those words. If you think in creation, the only thing God did was speak, that he wasn't intricately involved in every single detail, in every single formation of every single cell, the organization of all chromosomes and DNA in every life form, if you think all he did was speak and it appeared and he wasn't intricately involved in the detail, you have too small of a view of God. I don't know if he did it through the means of a process that we currently call evolution or not. We're going to really hash that out and kind of get into some theories over the next couple episodes here. But let me leave you with this. And this is going to be a shorter episode. I've had less time to prepare over these past couple weeks. I've been busy. Life happens, but the point I'm really trying to drive home is if we treat the Bible as what it's supposed to be, the story of God's redemptive plan throughout creation, and we refuse to treat the Bible as a scientific textbook, we have a bigger view of God in the end. Because if God is truth, then the truth we discover in science, in the how things happen, how processes and objects and things we see come into existence 
and we find truth in that process, well, guess what? The Bible says God is truth. So God's truth is also scientific truth. But of course, science gets messy. Science is full of theories. That's really what makes it science. Science is a process. And as Christians, as thinkers, as philosophers, really all of us should have the scientific method memorized if we want to engage in these kinds of conversations. So as a refresher, the scientific method is first to observe or ask a question, second to research, do some background investigation, third you form a hypothesis, right? Fourth, you test, fifth, you get the results and you analyze the data, and sixth, you come to a conclusion. And that is the classic scientific method. And the Bible doesn't operate on that. The Bible operates on a principle of specific revelation coming to people who have general revelation. And so let's back up and think about what general revelation is. So in the book of Romans, Paul writes in the first chapter, the 20th verse, for since the creation of the world, his, speaking of God's, invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse, because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. And all that to say, and this is a loose interpretation, this is not the proper interpretation. If you want the proper interpretation, please look up a commentary and actually read the entire verse in context. But Paul points out that God's invisible attributes are clearly seen. And he's kind of driving a larger point home here in context that even Gentiles, even pagans can look out at the world and say, gosh, something had to make all this for a purpose. There's got to be a reason why everything's here. And listen, if you're a Christian and you believe that that's true, that God made this world with a purpose, if you're a skeptic and you're questioning Christianity and you don't know if that's true, if God made everything with a purpose, and you want to devote yourself to some form of scientific study, by all means, do so. But know that science won't answer that question of why everything was made. But it might help you understand the depth and the beauty and the complexity, and dare I even say the glory of all of creation. Both inanimate, being the rocks, astrology, various forces of nature, and animate, Plants, animals, humans, medicine. And this isn't in the Bible, but bear with me. Maybe, just maybe, the reason that God in the Bible made everything with such logic and such care and attention to detail, and the reason Paul even had the audacity to write that verse, that his invisible attributes are clearly seen, is an indication that a true understanding of Christianity, a true understanding of the God of the Bible, is an understanding of a God, of a belief system that encourages doubt and researched doubts and encourages the scientific method, this process of observing, researching, hypothesizing, testing, analyzing, and ultimately concluding. I won't do this often, but I feel like it's appropriate to reference the first episode of this podcast, and more specifically the verse 
that God spoke through the prophet Isaiah, saying, Come, let us reason together. And I hope you know historically that it was churches, it was Christians that were the first ones to really engage in science, in research, in hypothesizing, in testing, in analyzing data, in drawing conclusions. If you're a Christian listening, maybe it's time we return to our roots. Maybe it's time we invest more in science. Maybe it's time we invest more in research and discovery, in data, in analysis, in crunching numbers, in running experiments. And can I rant here for a second? As Christians, let's focus less on fashion. Who the frick cares about how skinny your jeans are and how trendy your beard is or how lit your worship service is? Or what Ponzi pyramid MLM scheme you're into these days. Come on, if you're a Christian, you serve the God of all knowledge. He made you with the ability to reason, the the gift of volition, the ability to question, to analyze, to think logically, mathematically, scientifically, to draw conclusions, to help others see the light not only about religious truths, but about scientific truths. I don't know that the world would have the scientific endeavor it has today if it weren't for those noble Christian men and women throughout all of history having that hunger and thirst for science themselves. Maybe we need a little bit more of that. Maybe we don't. This episode was a little preachy. I'll admit that. Sorry, not sorry. (laughs) But as always, thank you so much for listening. And I do hope you enjoyed this show.